You're listening to Don't Waste Water. We need universities around the world to begin to offer scholarships to young folks to get into the water and wastewater industry. You're also going to need, even at a local level, whether it's mayor's youth councils or even in high school and elementary school, to begin to talk about the importance of water. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. My vision of the future of water is completely to digitize water in a way where we can see the problems coming before they come. You got a lot of folks getting in the tech industry. But if you're going to digitize and rethink water, just like folks have iPhones and Samsungs, we need people to be thinking about water and wastewater at the same scale or even greater. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm honored to welcome Eric Simmons as my guest. We're not just talking about the damage to hardware like pipes and pumps and treatment plants and technology, but more importantly, the environmental systems uh, that provide our freshwater supply. Eric is the mayor of Greenville, Mississippi, and the co-chair of the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative. How we can begin to attract young folks to begin to look at water and rethink water, but also have careers in water as well. Our most prized natural resources are our young people from Mississippi to Beijing, from France to California. We have to look at young folks across the world. The Mississippi River Cities and Town Initiative works to improve the river's water quality, restore its habitats, coordinate the state's efforts, create sustainable economies around the basin, and celebrate the river's culture and history. About one year ago, I was working on my session as a moderator at the UN Innovate for Cities conference. What you've maybe noticed from that work are the three interviews that were featured on that podcast around nature-based solutions. But what I haven't shared here are my next steps into the rabbit hole. Having explored how the city of Glasgow was preparing for COP26 and had adopted nature-based solutions some years before, I had a curious eye over the part of COP26 that revolved around these innovative ways to administer and manage a river's watershed. And I noticed how a dynamic mayor, part of the American governor's delegation, was brilliantly bridging the social topic, the economic one, through aquaculture and nature-based solutions at the river basin level. You would have guessed that mayor was Eric Simmons. About one year down the line, I got to sit down with him on this microphone at the Rethinking Water conference in New York, thanks to Science Water's invitation. The time was short, but I hope you'll get a glimpse of that other American story, where one has to be clever in governments and bring together private and public funds while securing grants to guarantee the long-term sustainability of river basins and the cities they host. Social topics interlinked with water, intertwined with climate change and extreme weather events that regularly impact the region, and a water sector that needs to find a fix to overcome the silver wave. I leave the floor to Eric so that he shares the solutions and initiatives he contributes to roll out and the proposition he makes to bring water to the place it should be in the public space, right in the center. Remember, if you like what you hear, please share this episode around you with your friends, colleagues, or LinkedIn network. And as always, if there's anything you don't like about this episode, please reach out to me and tell me what I should be doing better or differently. Come on, do it, and I'll meet you on the other side. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. 
as a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal. GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm amazed to have the opportunity to speak with you today because yes, I've read a lot about you. I've seen you featured in the press and the news in the COP26 feedbacks. Yes. And I'm wondering, what's your take at Rethinking Water? What do we need to rethink today? Well, you know, when you rethink water, you're rethinking the world. And when we're in COP26, when you begin to think about the issues and the challenges that we face with water, it's a global issue. And given that it's a global issue, it must have a global solution. And so I represent a group of mayors on the Mississippi River uh, Basin called Mi Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiatives. And I'm the co-chair along with Jim Strickland of Memphis, Tennessee. And what we're doing is looking not only at climate performance, but how we're rethinking water with aging infrastructure across America, across the world, and how we can begin. And it's wonderful to be here at Columbia University, how we can begin to attract young folks to begin to look at water and rethink water, but also have careers in water as well. That's how we're going to solve the world's problem is by making sure we tap into our natural resources and our most prized natural resources are our young people from Mississippi to Beijing, from France to California. We have to look at young folks across the world. So that means when you're thinking of water, the number one thing you want to look into mm -hmm. is the young people. That's quite a, an interesting approach, if I may say is. so. You have to begin to do that uh, with aging infrastructure uh, and aging systems and folks dying out, literally. In Greenville, Mississippi, what we've had to do is literally look at retaining the folks with the years of experience. And we've done that by bringing in private companies that come in to take over our wastewater treatment plant, but hire them because folks, when they get to that age of retirement, they want to begin to receive their retirement benefits and they want to go home. But when they go home, they're leaving with the years of experience that you need to operate a water and wastewater system. And so we got to look at ways to retain the seniority and the, the, the talent and challenge and experience that folks have, but also acquire that new uh, hope in young folks. You're focusing on water quality mm -hmm. with um, this um, Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative. Yes, and that water quality, if I get you right, has a lot to do with the way you treat the wastewater and probably the way you treat the watershed. What is the number one challenge you have today besides that silver wave you just uh, mentioned? Well, specifically along the Mississippi River, we have sustained over $210 billion in actual losses since 2005. And so the largest share of the loss is from the destruction of major damage on the critical infrastructure platforms of our entire infrastructure portfolio. Bridges and water systems remain the most expensive spending lines that we're seeing from Memphis to Greenville, from New Orleans to Bemidji, Minnesota. However, it's very important uh, to note that we're not just talking about the damage to hardware like pipes and pumps and treatment plants and technology, but more importantly, the environmental systems uh, that provide our fresh water supply, like you just mentioned, increasing stress and accelerating the climate risk. So the ecology responsible for our water, the surface water, the aquifers, the lakes, the streams throughout our beautiful Mississippi River Valley are being tapped more than ever before and are sustaining drought, extreme heat, and record-breaking flooding. So we're seeing 1,000, 2,000-year floods, just like Jackson. Jackson just had that heavy rain pour in Jackson, Mississippi, that crippled their system. And so people don't have safe drinking water in 2022 in Jackson, Mississippi. 
And so we're looking at ways to begin to address that by looking at the watershed, but also looking at nature-based infrastructure. We have a partner, Ducks Unlimited, that we're deploying 66,000 acres of nature-based infrastructure on the Mississippi River in about eight states. And so when you do that, it's ecologically safe, it's environmentally safe, but also for the struggling industries that right there on the port or in our cities, it's economically beneficial to them as well. And so we're looking at a new a number of innovative ways to protect the watershed, the food quality and also the water quality in the Mississippi River uh, Basin. You've started off by explaining how water is a global topic. It is. And water is also a very local topic. It and is. Usually it's a little very, very, very local places. It is. And actually, you have a good example of going a bit beyond that local aspect. You mentioned Jackson, and I think mm -hmm. you've yeah. been supporting Jackson. So it's, yeah. it's local, but you can be helping your neighbor. That's so right. how do you see that cooperation between neighbors, mm -hmm. a bit wider between more distant neighbors and yes. then within a region, a country, a state? I'm a firm believer that a friend in need is a friend indeed. And just neighboring city of Jackson, when they needed help, you know, the Bible tells us love our neighbor as thyself. And so what we did, we partnered with private folks. We partnered with Dollar Tree and Family Dollar to provide 18 water loads of water to the folks in need that dealing with the water crisis in, in Jackson. But what we do from a corridor scale on the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative is when we have natural disasters like Hurricane Ida, Hurricane Katrina, that hits Gretna or New Orleans, it comes upstream. Or when you have snow to melt in the upper Mississippi Valley, it mm -hmm. comes down the river and it create high water events for us. And what it does, it strains our uh, wastewater systems uh, and it strains our infrastructure. We just have to work on a quarter scale, quarter scale and look at a way to be able to be regional uh, friends to address a regional problem and a global problem as well. You mentioned these partnerships between the municipality mm -hmm. and the private companies. Mm -hmm. How important is that private-public partnership? It's very important because when you look at some of the solutions, the way of the past is not going to keep us moving for the future. When you think about, you know, water and sewer rates, right now in Greenville, Mississippi, we use our sewer revolving loan fund and we're looking at the large vehicles like the bipartisan infrastructure law, the Inflation Reduction Act. All of those things are going to help. But cities like Greenville, Mississippi, that got black and brown communities, haven't been able to be beneficial or benefit from these large scale vehicles. What we've been doing is getting sewer revolving loan fund and the bipartisan infrastructure law is providing some help with that. But in order to pay for that, you're taking from the top of your budget the sales tax revenue. When you take the sales tax revenue from your budget, it's a form of regressive tax on black and brown folks and poor folks in the community. Greenville has a 38.6% poverty rate. We have elderly uh, ladies that get an SSI check of $757 a month. They're deciding to whether they want clean water or wastewater versus their medicine or their groceries. And so what you have to begin to do is look at some of these vehicles, the federal funding vehicles, but look at private equity as a source as well to get consistent rates, get rates that's probably going to be consistent and level out versus the increased regressive rates that you're going to see to fix an old aging system. The O&M costs, the operation and maintenance costs of these systems are going to continue to rise. And then when COVID hit, the pandemic created a global supply chain. The global supply issue makes, you know, the delivery of these equipment 
hardware and the piping and all of that even more difficult and challenging for communities like Greenville, Mississippi. We are here at Rethinking Water. So yes. I'm thinking if we go a bit outside of the box, mm-hmm. there might be many different ways to rethink water. Yep. One might say, why not go fully distributed and then the infrastructure is no longer a struggle or mm-hmm. to go on a bigger scale and benefit from scale effects and have even more infrastructure. What's your vision of that future of water? My vision of the future of water is completely to digitize water in a way where we can see the problems coming before they come. You can see a system failing or a pipe fail or a force main failing before it it hits you to create uh, the emergency effect that increased costs to the taxpayers, uh, but also increase the burden on those poor folks and less fortunate folks. We're going to have to digitize water, but we're also going to have to truly put in in place an attractive tool and a recruitment tool for young folks to be more involved and uh, getting certified folks, young folks, involved in wastewater and water. That's how you really rethink it. And how do you do that? Because it sounds to be something which is really at Yeah, so, the so we're at Columbia University. You got to begin to put in STEM uh, uh, jobs and careers. We need universities around the world to begin to offer scholarships to young folks to get into the water and wastewater industry. You're also going to need, even at a local level, whether it's mayor's youth councils or even in high school and elementary school, to begin to talk about the importance of water. You know, folks really don't recognize the significance of water. And so when you begin to educate and educate and educate and re-educate, you'll begin to have the attraction and recruitment that's needed uh, for rethinking water. In the water sector, there's estimated to be about 17% of women, which means we don't tap into almost half of the potential out there. Mm-hmm. Is it also one of the axes you'd like to follow to, to, to find more talents, more yeah. brains, more, more hands? You need to look for women. You know, uh, women uh, are mother, mothers of this earth. And you need to begin to look at women. Uh, but you also need to look at minorities as well. Much like, you know, the president is talking about Justice 40 and the equity strategies regarding equity and how do we begin to look at black and brown communities, but also small and minority businesses as well. Uh, the vice president, Uh, came to Greenville on April the 1st. And she came to Greenville to talk about small communities and small businesses. And she went to minority businesses in the community. We've really done a great job in Greenville, Mississippi. At the height of the pandemic, we gave $3,000 grants away to women-owned businesses. And we did it because we wanted them to survive and thrive. But also, how do we keep them moving given the pandemic? Mm -hmm. When we rethink water, we need to look at grant opportunities from a federal scale and from a state scale, but we also, from a local scale, need to begin to train young women, young black and brown women, uh, to get involved in water as well. If you're looking into my water crystal ball, you can look in five years, 10 years, what tells you that you've succeeded? When we have more women in the water and wastewater industry, when we have disadvantaged communities, third world countries, whether it's the Mississippi River Basin, the Nile, the Yoga, around the world began to truly understand water, deploying natural infrastructure to help solve natural disasters, sequester carbon, have climate performance, but also have a large swell, ground swell of young folks involved in the water industry. Uh, You know, you got a lot of folks getting in the tech industry, 
But if you're going to digitize and rethink water, just like folks have iPhones and Samsungs, we need people to be thinking about water and wastewater at the same scale or even greater. Usually I'm rounding off these interviews with rapid fire questions, so I just have one or two for you. Yes. My first one is, what is the favorite project you've been involved in and why? The one that we are very proud of right now is our partner with Ducks Unlimited, and this is the natural infrastructure project that we're deploying about 66,000 uh, acres of natural-based infrastructure. It's going to most definitely sequester carbon. It's going to help with reconnected floodplains, but it also helps with the risks that we see in our cities and towns when we have high water events that not only destroy the infrastructure and wastewater piping in our collection system, it's going to lessen the burden there, but it's environmentally safe, it's economically safe, it's ecologically sound, but also it's economically beneficial to those struggling industries right there on the Mississippi River in our ports. So it is an all-around great solution, win-win, for not only wildlife and the waterfowl, but also for the cities and towns on the Mississippi River Basin. And you've started all of that with a global view, so I have that last question for you, which is usually something people have to really project themselves, but for you it might be a bit closer to, to your reality. Mm -hmm. If you were a world leader tomorrow, what would be your first action to influence the fate of the water crisis? We have to protect the environment. Water is the environment. And if we begin to see water as the environment and put forth strategies, global strategies and solution in protecting water. We'll protect food quality, food supply. We can address food insecurity. We can address economic development in third world countries. And we can begin to truly merge our differences that are divided by boundary lines or by rivers and continents to understand human dignity and respect people and who they are and understand that we all need water to survive. And because we all need that water as a survival tool, we all cannot survive without each other. It's a way to say, take care of each other and look at it that way. I guess that's the perfect conclusion. Thanks a lot. Thank you. It was you. an honor to speak with you and have a good conference. Yes, thank you. This is it for another episode of the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'd like to hand out a special thanks to Science Water for enabling it. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to give it a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I don't know if I deserve five stars, but my guest surely does. Do it now, tell it to your friends, and I'll be back very soon with the next interview.